All right. It is so lovely to be together. <clears throat> um, you may not think that when I, when I let you know what the topic is today, but... <laughs> All right. But we are talking about... Uh, this has been such a beautiful um, series, and uh, we've been looking at what it means to be God's image, what it means to bear God's image, and, um, and what, is that, what are the implications for that? And this morning... Um, I have the great joy of speaking about uh, suffering, uh, this this thing of being human and experiencing suffering. And um, so I guess one of the things we've been learning is that uh, Genesis is our origin series. It's, it's our origin story, um, the story of our roots, who we are. And, and you know, the kind of stories around roots and stories around um, our um, origin are really, really common in uh, in lots of books, in lots of movies, uh, TV series, because when we understand our origin, we understand how then do we do life? What did we come? Where did we come from? And what are we for? So as as we understand our roots, say we understand our whakapapa, uh, it's hugely determinative in terms of how we treat ourselves and how we treat others and how we treat the rest of the hum- of the physical world. Now, most of us here have been uh, educated in a world that essentially says that humans uh, are the um, result of, of slime plus time. And, um, and in some ways, well, this is not quite working for me, but I can, I can push some buttons and... <laughs> Thank you. Lance, I, I think I think every week we should just give Lance a chair. Quite frankly, <laughs> I, if you're happy just to push the push the button, I'm I'm happy. Just thank you. Um, so so we've all seen the kind of the you know the the story of the origin of the species. You know that we that we climbed out of some. I'm not sure how we got into the primordial swamp in the first place, but but then we kind of developed gills and then feet, and then we climbed our way out, and we uh, somehow or other we climbed ourselves to the top of the food chain and uh, developed an oversized brain. Now. Um, as as someone who actually loves science, and and um, I, I'm I'm certainly not knocking the the various parts of ev- the evolution story. So you know, so much of it is demonstrably true, and so much of it is is is, is I, I think is quite indisputable. But in some ways, it's the reality is if we believe the whole thing, it's a it's a terrible story of our origin. That 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 somehow it's just this accident of of time that's caused us to become uh, these amazing beings that we are. And the good news is, and what we're we're looking at in this series, is that we have a very different story. That Genesis, the the scriptures tell a very different story of of what we're for. See, if we're just the product of millions of years of natural selection, rather than being made in the image of God, rather than being deliberately deliberately created and said that you will reflect my glory in the world then it the, if we're just if we're just a highly evolved bunch of cells and it doesn't really matter how we treat people it doesn't really matter what we do with our lives thank you so so much 
Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, how we treat the planet, you know, and we don't really have a lot of hope because, you know, the chances are we're going to wipe ourselves out through another mass extinction. Uh, you know, th th there's not a lot of hope if that's our story. Um, and, and again, I think one of the results of, of this kind of, of, the, of the purely evolutionary story is that we end up with this thing of othering people, that, that we... It, it, it ultimately plays out by just making everyone else who's different from me as an other, you know. And so that you know, in our in our election campaign, you know, the you know one side was saying the poor are, are just lazy, uh, the other side is saying yeah the greedy rich. Um, you know, we uh, we look at uh, you know we we fight over race. If pe if people are different from us, then you know they're just always violent, or they're or they're or they're always money hungry, or they're you know. We, we end up with these stories. The, the disabled are somehow less human than us. You know, we're we're up here and they're down there. You, we have to we have to rename uh, an unborn child as a fetus so that so that it de it makes it an other. Uh, we uh, you know we make enemies into other. Uh, you know, and this is not a commentary on what's happening in the Middle East, but you look at, at Ukraine and the Ukraine and Russian uh, fight that's going on in Gaza and Israel. If your enemy's not the image of God, they're an other. They're a monster. I heard someone say, and so it's it's so you're totally okay to kill them. You know, and, and so for us, if we if we don't believe that we're made in the image of God, and every one of us is made in the image of God, it's very easy to make people the other. That, that we just treat them differently. But we have a better story. And over the last couple of Sundays, we've been reminded of a very different origin story. Uh, you, Jonathan talked about this, this, the picture of the, uh, in the first chapter of Genesis of, of God over the course of three days creating an environment, creating a, uh, the, a domain uh, for, for uh, and, and then, sorry, and then, and there are three more days for the inhabitants to fill those domains, and then God on the seventh day saying, "Now, now, let it be. Let us, let's, we've in, we enter into completion." So that creation is this beautiful story of God creating these domains of, of light and darkness, of of uh, the waters being separated, of the uh, of dry land appearing and creatures being filled. You know, it's it's a it's a such a different story than just than just this kind of a scientific explanation of just time. You know, it's such a different story. That creation, that all that we see is the temple. And, and I loved it how he talked about that we are, we're the idols that, that, in the true sense of the word, that he puts us as the image in the temple. That we're, as in N.T. Wright's words, that we're the angled mirror, that one part of our life is to reflect glory back to God, and the other part of our life is to reflect the glory of God to creation. That we have this incredibly important role in life. And then James last week reminded us beautifully of this holy calling to, to again, to, to bear and to be the image of God with our work. You know, that, that we find that, and I love the way that he went through various occupations and, and vocations and things that we do that are all this reflection of what God gave to Adam and Eve in the garden. That, that, that everything that we do, no, no work, is, that there is no job, there is no vacation, no vacation. Okay, I keep want to call it a vacation, but no, there's no. I, I need one. Um, there's no. There's no. There's no vocation that's not holy. That has that has no value. So, it, you know, it's it's just such a different, such a different story that we live from, and it's so important. 
Now, we also know this, that you don't have to read on very far in Genesis. You know, you, you, you get into Genesis 2, and God tells Adam and Eve not to, not to eat. They can eat from any tree in the garden except do not eat the fruit of the tree of the, of, uh, the knowledge of good and evil. And we don't get very far in there until in, in, verse, in chapters 3 and 4, they fall into sin and death and pain and tears and suffering into creation. In Genesis 3, in fact, let me... Let me just put that up there. Um, I won't read the whole thing, but, but it's, this, it's this account of, of, uh, of, of our ancestors giving in to this temptation to eat. To, ultimately, the temptation was, how can we live free of God? How can, we, how, can we, how can we be like God ourselves so that we don't have to keep referring to a higher authority? And, uh, and they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For some reason, always called an apple, but there is no apples involved in the story. I just want, to, want you to know. It's the, it's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't know what that means. We don't even, we're not even sure if it's, you know, how it works. Is it the fruit of their life? Is it, you know, it's, it's an interesting fruit. But nonetheless, they ate of it, and everything changed at that moment. And, and again, it says, that, and, and there's a lot on here that we, that, that's hard for us to understand. But first of all, is it, does it, God, God talks about the consequences of this action. And he says, for the serpent, for the deceiver, he says, uh, he says and I didn't put the verse numbers in there, but he says that, that uh, the seed of the man and the woman, the seed of the woman is going, he's going to put enmity between them and that he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And then he says to the woman, I'll sharpen the pain of your pregnancy. And in pain, you'll give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he'll rule over you. To the man, he says, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat of, the, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you'll struggle to scratch a living from it, but it'll grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. And by the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you'll return. And there's this, there's this sad story of them, them being banished from the garden. And it's, and it's this story that we begin to enter into. So, so we, we've seen the story of, of that we are made in the image of God, that we're placed in this, in this temple of creation to reflect God's glory. And then we mess it up pretty much from day eight. <laughs> I don't know what that was. You know, and, and we see in the scripture here that God announces the damage that's been caused in terms of suffering, pain, death, tears, you know, broken heart, having to work by the sweat of our brow, what should have been a delight becomes becomes difficult. Uh, that he that we also see that he limits the damage that humans can cause by getting them out of there, and so that they can't eat from the from the uh, uh, the the tree that's going to allow them to live forever. So he limits the damage that humans can cause until the redeemer can come, which he prophesies right back there in Genesis three, and reverse the damage and heal all of creation. And again, as Jonathan has said, you know, the, the rest of Genesis is pretty much the inversion of the, of the creation story. The, you know, that, that we, we very quickly find ourselves in a flood that covers the entire world again, that, that the waters en engulf the world. Uh, you know, the, the, the Tower of Babel, this, this, it's, it's like everything that was beautiful has been damaged by, by what's been done by humanity. And then Jesus comes to restore it through his suffering. I'm, I'm jumping ahead in our, in our series, but, but Jesus is the image of God because he became 
human. He's, he, he becomes our incredible model of what it means to truly be the image of God, to be, truly bear the image of God. You know, for Jesus, he was not embarrassed to put on humanity. He was not embarrassed to have a human form. He was not embarrassed to have a face. He was not embarrassed to have the limitations that we experience. And, and again, before I kind of drill right down into what it means to, you know, how, how then do we live, we know this, that there's a, there's a part of the scriptures that's known as the wisdom literature, which is Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job, which again are beautiful books and difficult books. They're, they're books that you kind of read and go, hmm, this could, what could this mean? The book of Proverbs, is, is, you know, in some ways, is possibly the easiest one. It just gives us wisdom uh, to learn how to live into the future. But the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, I, I remember reading it the first few times and just thinking, poor backslidden Solomon. He became a cynic in the end. You know, it, it's, this is the book of, man, one bitter old man. But, you know, King Solomon was given wisdom from God. Remember that? Remember his, his, his uh, engagement with God where he says, you know, what do you want? Do you want me to kill your enemies? Do you want to have unlimited wealth? He said, no, give, give me wisdom. So Solomon was, was the, wisest, the wisest human up to this point in time. And, and Solomon had it all. He had wealth. He had women. He had uh, I, I, I can't, is it a number of wives and a number of porcupines. Or something like that. There <laughs> um, was some some sort of deal in there that he. Anyway, he had he had unlimited joy. He you know he had unlimited power. He had unlimited wine. He had wisdom. He had, nothing nothing was held back from him that would that would take away wis, that, that would take away satisfaction from him. And so as he writes, begins to write in Ecclesiastes from verse 1, these first 11 verses, he says, These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for their hard, all their hard work under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south, then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. The waters return again to the rivers and flow out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It's all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say here is something new, but it's actually old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in future generations, no one will remember what we're doing. Amen. And so I leave it there. <laughs> and I hope you feel encouraged by this message today. <laughs> it's the best I've got. <laughs> now, there's a couple of things that kind of make this passage a little, a little easier for us to have. Um, Translators generally kind of, you know, translate the, that, that we're meaningless or, you know, everything is, everything is void, everything is terrible. But, it, but it's actually the word meaningless or vanity, you know, vanity, vanity. Um, that, that word is actually literally the word for vapor or breath. And, and what Solomon and his wisdom, so I, I think he's actually giving this a book of, the book of Ecclesiastes is actually an incredibly helpful book. Even though it seems like the, the rantings of a cynical old man, it's actually the wisdom of God delivered to us in a different way that causes us to stop and go, what, do we, what does it mean? And so, and so he's saying life, everything is breath, everything is vapor. We breathe in, we breathe out. 
there's, there's, there's the, the wonderful feeling when you breathe the breath in. It's, 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 it brings energy to our bodies. We breathe out. We breathe out the CO2. It's, you know, and, and what he's telling us is, is there's a rhythm to life that we experience ecstasy and then it's over. And then we experience pain and then it's over. And then we experience joy and then it's over. And then we experience some other happiness, and then it's over. See, what he's telling us, he's telling us what, what Ecclesiastes addresses is it addresses our disillusionments by calling us to the journey instead of always looking for what we don't yet have, reminding us that this is not the end, reminding us that there's something else behind this, that pleasure and satisfaction are fleeting, that that, you know, you know, why is ambition admired? What are we trying to achieve? You know, the, he's, he's reminding us that the end goal actually isn't about achievement. It's actually about, it's about enjoying this journey of life that's actually been limited by God because we're, because we're in, a, in, a, in a distorted place at this moment. It's to experience and to have our heart shaped and to cultivate gratitude. We've been, uh, a number of us have been looking at um, Calm and Joy Iams' uh, series. She's written two books, and Being in God's Image is, is one of the books that, that I've been really enjoying uh, at the moment. And she says this, look, if the world can go on without my work, then why did I work in the first place? What good did it do? And the teacher describes, uh, the teacher despairs at his inability to hang on to what he's achieved. And his conclusion is stop working for what you don't have yet. Start enjoying the journey. If we pour all our energy into getting somewhere else, we miss the joys available to us in the present. And it's not teaching us, you know, Solomon's wisdom is not teaching us, so don't try. You know, don't, don't, don't get better at your job. Don't get better at your marriage. You know, don't get better at your relationships. It's not telling us that. It's just saying that, but there's something else in all of this. You know, it's, it's not saying that we should be looking to become better people. It's just saying that everything is vaporous. Everything is a breath. It's a breathe in, it's a breathe out. That there's, a, that there's this incredible rhythm of life that we're part of, that you can't hold on to breath. You can merely receive it and give it. R receive and give. The book of Job is the other part of the wisdom literature. And, and you know, in some ways, it's probably one of the most, I'd probably say it's the most perplexing book in the Bible. You know, it, it, we, we're given a, you know, the start of that book, if you haven't read it, pick a good day. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> wait for summer to come. Um, <laughs> but it's, but we, it starts off by giving a, you know, we get a fly on the wall uh, um, view of, of this strange discourse between Satan, the deceiver, and God, asking, uh, you know, why don't you, uh, why don't you give me a go at making Job's life terrible, and we'll see if he still retains his faith. We'll see if he'll still, we'll see if he'll still say that you're good, and and you know, in some reason, God says, oh, go ahead and test him. You just can't take his life, but go ahead and make his life as terrible as you possibly want to. But we'll see who's got true faith. And then the rest, most of the the bulk of the book is is about his three friends talking nonsense to him and telling him clearly you've done something wrong. He's like, I haven't done anything wrong. I've been blameless. And you get to the end of the book, and he finally, and finally at the end of the book, God turns up. So, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you that if, if you haven't read the book, spoiler alert, but, but really early in the book, uh, in, the, in, a, in a moment of minutes, you know, his, 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 uh, his, his whole, all his children are killed, 
all his fortune is dispersed, and he's left scraping his sores with, with, some, with some pottery and going like, what did I do? <laughs> and you get to the end of the book, and, and, and God finally turns up to Job and says, yeah, that's right, you, you haven't done anything wrong, and then pretty much doesn't explain what's gone wrong. It's, it's, it's a fascinating, it's a very fascinating book. Um, and, at the, you know, he doesn't give, doesn't give Job an explanation. He just tells him, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> and then it's, it's kind of nice because his, his fortunes are restored and, you know, his life is, is sweet at the end. But, it, but in some beautiful way, what the wisdom books teach us is this. Human mortality and the brokenness of our world simply mean that we have to learn to live joyfully within the limits of our life. That it's not about achievement, that it's not about some end goal, that it's, 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 it's not about becoming this amazing person. It, it's actually about living life with God. It's about this invitation into partnership with him. And we probably won't understand big bits of our life. We probably won't understand why did that happen. Did I do something wrong? Probably and probably not. You know, it, it, it's, there's so many of these questions that, that suffering creates for us. So, with that as our background, let me try and pull, pull a few threads together here. See, God's intention was not for us to experience suffering. It's, it's the result of the fall. And, you know, and it's going to be fulfilled when Jesus returns. But the human identity has become very distorted. You know, particularly for us in the Western world, life has become the pursuit of happiness. You know, of, of, particularly of, of latter times, it's, it's been everything about how do, I, how do I be happy? I'm not happy, so something's wrong. You know, why, why can't I be happy all the time? You know, and so, again, the emphasis has been on, this, on, on perfection and beauty. You know, old age is pitied. To be disabled or, or sick is, is to be less than 100% human. You know, to, to not be sexually fulfilled is unthinkable. You know, it's, surely it's a human right. All restraint is, is, is uh, expressed as, well, that's just repression. You know, why would you hold back from just trying everything? You know, surely it's everyone's right to do whatever they want with everything that they have. Uh, you know, it's my body, it's my right. I have a right to get what I need. But, you know, if we take a moment and step back from the cultural, narr the, the cultural narratives of our, of our time, they just don't make sense. They don't make sense in the light of what life is actually like. I mean, it, it would be wonderful if we could just have everything, except, except we'd make life hell for everybody else. You know, and so there's this restraint that we find ourselves living amongst. You know, and so these, so these cultural narratives are utterly, utterly unrealistic of life as we know it. You know, we, we begin life completely helpless as a baby. And, you know, and we go through parts of our life where we become strong, and then we end up at the end of our life, again, pretty much being completely helpless like a baby. It's, you know, and, and a vast portion, I can't remember, I, I read it and I couldn't find the reference again, but, but there's, a, there's a very high percentage of people that would regard themselves as having some disability. You know, it's the huge number of us are, are disabled in some ways. You, again, and all of us have stories of suffering. You know, we would, if we went around the room here, every one of us would tell stories of suffering where things went wrong. You know, we've, we've all had our hearts broken at some point. 
We've all been rejected at some point. We've all uh, been made fun of by bullies at some point. We've all lost jobs. We've all lost promotions. We've all lost money. We've all lost our health. We've all lost friends. We've all been betrayed. We've all experienced injustice. It's a, it's a, it's a common human experience. And, and the interesting thing about suffering is that suffering, is, suffering sometimes can really help us. I, you know, I, I remember, I know lots of you have heard my story, but I, I, I suffered a stroke as a result of some chiropractic treatment that went wrong when I was 40. And I, I remember the, the, the night when I was in hospital, before, before the doctors could kind of figure out what, was, what had gone wrong, um, I remember lying in there thinking, I, I, actually, I, I actually don't want to close my eyes because I'm not sure I'll open my eyes in, in this life because I just don't know. Half of my body was paralyzed and half of my body couldn't feel anything. Um, so I kind of had this double whammy thing. And, 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 um, and in that moment, between vomiting and being unable to move the right side of my body, it's amazing how life became really clear. Because all that really mattered to me in that moment was my wife, my children, you know, m my wider family, my friends, um, and and my God, and all the work. You know, the, I'd started I'd started my morning working really, really hard. I'd preached a, I'd been a bit like this. I'd, I'd preached a sermon. I'd done my very best. Gone out to lunch with some people. You know, tried you know tried to be a good Christian, and you know, and and say good things and not mess up, and, and then all of a sudden. None of that really made sense. It, 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 was, it, it wasn't that it was not the most important thing. It's just that in that moment of kind of going, if, if this is the end, what actually really matters? And it was, it was love. It was, it was the people in my life that I loved. It was the God in my life that I loved. You know, I, we were about to head to South Africa. And we won't mention the test. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, but we were about to go there to, to um, help. Uh, be part of uh, the installation of their national director and then, and then everyone was going to come back to New Zealand and Vicky and I were going to be um, commissioned as the national directors of the Vineyard in New Zealand. So it was a, it was a really important a really important time and I was looking forward to this, you know, to my, it was going to be on a game, we were going to be staying in a game park. I was pretty excited about it. Except, except that night, I, that thought didn't even enter my mind. It was like, who it wasn't, well, I was going to say it wasn't who cares, but, but it was just like it, 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 it had gone. Uh, that was not the most important thing in my life. So, see, in some ways what suffering does is suffering helps bring things into real clarity. You know, we know this, that we're, we're living kingdom life in a fallen world, in a broken world. It's, and it's a, it's a robust life. It's a life that walks out of step with the culture that we find ourselves in. Yeah, and like I say, our, our culture is a culture that's chasing fulfillment and happiness as it sees it's right. And yet we have, we have this whole different narrative that we live by. That, that it's not about trying to seek my rights. It's not about, it's not about having, you know, that, 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 I shouldn't, that I should live a life of restraint. It's, it's, you know, we're invited into this life of trying to understand that we live in a broken world. We, we live in a world where things aren't as they should be. That, that, we, that we have this deep knowledge within us that says, you know, I, you know, I, I long to see things normal again. You know, and it's funny, you know, we, th there's this expectation in the culture that we find ourselves immersed in 
that that is so out of step with the with the culture that we find ourselves part of. So there's there's an expectation within within our cultural norms right now that is I expect my rights to be given to me. I, I you know I I just I just want more and more of of what I want. You know at the the cultural narrative is that humanity is becoming more and more and more enlightened, and so we hear expressions like you know hey. Christians, the 1950s called, and they, you know, they want you back. You know, we, we hear we hear stories of you know, you, you Christians are so repressed. You know, you, the, can't believe that you want to live that way in this day and age. Surely people don't still believe that. You know, it, because we find ourselves out of step with the culture that we find ourselves in. You know, a hundred years ago. The world was plunged into a war that they called the war that was going to end all wars. And from that time on, we were going to become more and more enlightened so that we'd never fight, we'd never have wars again. And yet we find ourselves in a place where the world is still at war, that it's still completely out of control. <coughs> and so if these narratives are even our subconscious expectation that, we, you know, that, that I, I need to be fulfilled, I need to be happy, I, I need everything to work well for me, and I, I, I really need those around me to help that come, and, come into play. That I should have the right to do whatever I want to do with my body, with, with, that I should do whatever I want with my money, that I should do... You know, we find ourselves as Christians very out of step with that culture. You know, it, it's, it, it's part of this thing of understanding uh, uh, suffering is, is that it reminds us that those narratives should be abandoned that they're not right, that they don't work, that they've never worked and they never will work. Um, we often use this, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but in, in C.S. Lewis's book, The Problem of Pain, he, he, he talks about this, he, uh, I'll, I'll read a little bit off it, he says, um, uh, pain is not only recognizably evil, but evil impossible to ignore. We can rest contentedly in our sins and in our stupidities. And anyone who has watched gluttons shoveling down the most exquisite food as if they did not know what they are eating will admit that we can ignore even pleasure. So he's saying, we, you know, we can ignore evil, we can ignore what's wrong, we can ignore, we can even ignore pleasure. But he says this: but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures; He speaks to us in our conscience, but He shouts in our pain. It's His megaphone to raise a deaf world. And what God does is he allows pain to touch, our, to touch our hearts, to get our attention. Suffering is intended to keep calling us back to what's important, what's right, how does li what's, what's actually life about. It's, not about. it's actually not about the pursuit of happiness. It's actually not about having, living all my rights and, and, and having every pleasure that should be available to me. Actually, life is mostly about saying no. It's mostly about saying not yet. It's mostly about saying this is not the right time. And um, Viktor Frankl, in, in his book, um, Man's Search for Meaning, he, he reflected on, he was a Jew uh, caught up in, the, in Nazism and, and, uh, and living in a concentration camp. And, he, and, he, and his, no, his noting, as, uh, you know, as he wrote and became a psychotherapist after the war, his noting was this, that he says, sometimes the strongest, healthiest people would be dead within days. And, and then, you know, the, the weakest sometimes seem to survive and, and, in fact, survive the entire incarceration process. And he said, the thing that I noted was this, that the people who had hope were able to survive and the people who lost hope 
died within, often within days. You know, that, that there's, there's this reality that if we can see a stronger story than the story that the, that the culture tells us, we're going to live differently in this world. I guess one of the things about suffering is this, that, that, what, that what it tells us is that, that this world is not as it should be. It reminds us that we are trying to live a kingdom life in a, in a broken world, that, that we're, we know that we're out of step, we know that we need a, a saviour, we know that we need someone to come and redeem, we know that we need someone to come and, and end the suffering. And so it reminds us that this is not the way that God intends. <clears throat> and so how do we live then as the image of God in our suffering? And, um, you know, one of the most beautiful verses in the scriptures and. Uh, <clears throat> Is Jesus in John John chapter one verse twenty nine? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin, or slash suffering of the world. That that He's come to do that, and yet we know that that is not yet complete. That He's yet to come another time. And He's our King, and He's our leader. He's the suffering servant Messiah. You know, sometimes there's, there's this temptation with suffering is that if I, if, you know, if I could just protect myself from suffering, my life would be a lot happier. But the reality is this, that grief, grief is the price that we pay for love. You know, I mean, we, we could not, if you don't love, you'll never, you'll never suffer grief. But what a gray world it would be. What a flat world it would be. You know, if, there's, if, there's, if we don't have the highs, we don't. We'll never suffer the lows, but we'll just end and we'll be beige. You know, it will be flat. There'll be no highs, no lows. There'll be no living. In in um in a book that uh, Andy Crouch wrote called um, uh, I can't remember of the strong and weak. Yes, it's a really helpful book. He he talks about how that we the way that we approach life was we, as as we kind of think it's an either or world. And, and, and one of the things he talks about in there is, you know, he says, you know, the example he uses is that, you know, parents are either, they either choose to be disciplinarians or, or warm, my child can never do wrong kind of, kind of parenting. And, you know, and, and, and we live along this kind of, this linear line of, well, I'm a, I'm a really, you know, I'm a really soft, warm parent or, or I'm a really disciplinarian and, and we're trying to, where, where's, the, where's the right place on that line? And, and what his contention is, is that actually we, we're called to be both, that it's a both end, that we should, be, we should be disciplinarians and we should be warm and loving, that, we, that we're both of those things. And when we look at the life of Jesus and we look at the life that he's invited us into, that we live, when you look at Jesus, they were confused because they were looking for the triumphant Messiah to come back, you know, and... and and, and so many of the messianic scriptures and prophecies are talking about the, tri the, the, the triumphant Messiah who was going to come and over, you know, overturn the kingdoms of this world. All the kingdoms of the world would become the kingdoms of our Christ and God. And he came as the suffering servant, the one who, who pulled suffering and sin and tears and brokenness into himself on the cross. And, and what it tells us is that, is that it's both and, that there's triumphing and there's suffering. That both of those things happen at the same time. If all we want is a triumphant God, we're, all we're going to end up with is, is a forced conquest of our lives. And what he's calling us to is he's calling us to this life of, of suffering and death and the triumph 
of his suffering. So his challenge to us, I think, you know, when we think about this thing of what does it mean to live, to, bear, to, to carry the image of God, to bear the image of God in this life, it actually, it actually involves both of these things at the same time, that we carry both the triumph of God. You know, it, it's wonderful. You know, we pray for people sometimes and they're, and they're instantly healed. And we pray for people and sometimes they get sicker and die. You know, we, we, we pray for, for a situation to, to, be, to be solved. And sometimes it's miraculously solved. And sometimes it just gets worse. And, and what does it tell us? Does it tell us what's the point in praying? No, that's, that's, not, the, that's not the answer. The answer is that this is the place that we're presently in. We're presently living in the now and the not yet. We are, we've seen enough that God will come and he will change things that he'll miraculously intervene in a person's life. He'll, he'll change us. And, and yet we also see much suffering in the world. And so we find ourselves in this, in this difficult place of, of, you know, the temptation is, I think, is to stop putting our heart out there and stop praying for people, to kind of go, you know, I, I just haven't seen people healed enough, and so we stop praying for people. I, I just haven't seen enough miracles. I, I Maybe God stopped doing this stuff. Maybe we should just accept that, that this life is going to be really difficult and then we die. And yet he invites us into this, into this place of, of living between triumph and suffering. That, that, that the deeper we go into suffering, the deeper we'll experience flourishing, the more we'll see the salvation of Christ. That he's inviting us into this beautiful place of, of going deeper into both. It's, it's not a world of either or. It's not a place of weak, of weak or strong. It's a place of weak and strong, both and, flourish, uh, um, triumphing and suffering. That his invitation for us is to live in that place. And so Paul, Paul has this really unusual scripture that I'm going to finish with. He says, I once thought, this is uh, Philippians 3 verses 7 through 14. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now he's, he's talking about his heritage, that uh, what he experienced as a, as a highly skilled and trained Pharisee. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I've discarded everything, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. So I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. So he's reaching into this thing of triumph, you know, the triumphant Christ. I want to know that. And then he immediately goes on to the other arm of that, of that two by two graph. And, saying, and I want to suffer with him. Sharing in his death so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection of the dead. And I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and to receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. And so, you know, we read a lot in the New Testament about entering into the sufferings of Christ. And, and for a long time, 
I couldn't understand what that means. You know, what does it mean to enter into the sufferings of Christ? And friends, I, I think to a very large degree, what he's, what he's reminding us of is that we currently live in the suffering of the world. That we, that we have our own suffering. Every one of us, you know, right now, we could, it, it wouldn't take us but a moment to think of the suffering that we're carrying. It could be illness. It could be something relational. You know, it, it could be a financial pressure. But, but we, we're carrying suffering in our bodies, and yet at the same time, we're, we have this deep hope that's within us of saying, but I've, I've seen enough of God to know that things are going to get better. I, I've trusted enough of him to know that he will come. He may not come, you know, he may not heal my sickness, but I know he'll come through somewhere else. That, that I, it's, 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 it's not if he doesn't, if he doesn't heal me, then he doesn't, he's not real. It's, it's, I can live with it because I know he is real. That I can live with suffering and the triumph of Christ. I can live with both of those things. And in fact, the deeper I go into both of those things, the deeper I embrace the suffering in my life and say, it's okay. It's not how things should be. It just reminds me that we're, this is a, we're living kingdom life in a broken world. It's okay to carry suffering in our bodies. You know, it's, it's, the goal of life is not, to, is not to get rid of the suffering. The goal of life is to, in, in some ways, is to, is to actually let it work its life in us, to, to, to remind us that this is not how God intended it to be. And we're longing, we're saying, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We're longing for the fulfillment of the age. We're longing for when he will put everything to right. And we see enough of it right now to give us courage to take the next step. It gives us enough courage to kind of go, I am suffering. My heart is in pain. You know, I, 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 I am walking with a very difficult limp, but I trust God enough to, keep, to take the next step. You know, what it reminds, you know, he's inviting us um, to, to, not, to not kind of think that the goal of this life is to just make endless, endless accomplishments. It's, accomplishment is fine, but it's not the goal. It's just part of humanity. You know, it's reminding us that our meaning is not finding fulfillment in so many things. It's, it's not becoming the best in all those things. It's, it's walking in this deep partnership with Christ that we enter into his sufferings, that, we, that in the same way that he pulled all the world's suffering into himself when he went to the cross, that there's moments when we, that we take one another's sufferings, that, that, we, that we share the sufferings of one another, that we carry that, we, we take it to God and we live with it and we say, yeah, it's not fair. Life is not fair. I was, a, I was such a bad dad because, you know, my, my children, fortunately Jonathan's out of the room, but, but you know, when, when our kids would say, it's not fair, Dad, I'd say, yeah, life's not fair. Prince, I, I would actually quote from the Princess Bride, but um, you know, life's not fair, Princess, and anyone who tells you anything different is trying to sell you something. That was the full quote, but, but, but it's that sense of life is, yeah, life is not fair. This is not fair, but it's, st but it's still going to happen. <laughs> this is the reality of the life that we live in. And, and if we think, therefore, there's something wrong with my life, we've entered into the wrong narrative. We've entered, the, we've entered into the narrative that life is all about happiness. Friends, life is not about happiness. Some of, the, some of the most joyful Christians I've met are the ones who are in deep pain, have suffered great loss, and yet have, this, have, this, have, have Christ so deeply formed in them 
that you just kind of want, I just want to spend just, can I just spend a little bit more time with you? Because I, I, I don't know what it is, but I, but I feel when, I, when you spend time with someone who's, who's got Christ deeply formed in them, something, you just catch something from them. And may we be those people. May we experience the whole of human experience rather than trying to avoid pain. To avoid pain is to, is to, is to live life numbed to the pain of life. You know, it's, it, it's, it, 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 it just sets us up for such a numb experience. It sets us up for, a, for an experience of life that we will never have highs because we'll never, we'll never accept the lows. Unfortunately, we have to have them both. And the, and the deeper and the higher we can go in some ways, it, it just deepens the formation of Christ within us. I don't really know how to finish this message, but, but that, yeah. that, and that's why God gave me Victoria. <laughs> I was just thinking of um, a story that comes to mind. Um, I remember years ago watching um, a pastor and his wife, a big church in the States actually, and... The little boy who was two went off to kindy, as you would expect, and he caught something. I can't remember what the um, what it was, but he got really sick, and he they took him to hospital, and he deteriorated within like twelve hours, and he he passed away. And just the shock, you know, they'd waited years to have. They had one little girl who was about eight years old, and they'd waited years to have another baby, and they had this precious little boy, and. The thing was, apart from obviously the heartache and just the pain, was that, you know, I watched them, we were happened to be in the States at the time, and I watched them, like, stand on the platform of their church together, a really big church, and just allow that allow the, the people to minister to them. And I remember, I remember thinking, man, you know, I don't know if I could do that. I think I'd probably just lay low for a really long time. But you know, they they made a decision as well as experiencing and walking through their own journey. They wanted their people to to be with them in their pain, and they were so vulnerable. I never forgot it. I thought, man, that's so courageous. And I, th- I was just thinking when you were talking about how part of um, journeying with suffering is allowing each other to 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 see a bit of it, not necessarily all of it, but to allow one another to ex- to share in our sufferings. And so that we can carry each other in a sort of a different sort of way. Because what those people did, you know, when they went down there onto the, off the platform onto that floor, all these people like waded on in. And I mean, I would have felt claustrophobic, but they waded on in, you know, and they got right around them in the middle of this little space and they were sobbing and they were crying and they were being just real. And the people just cried with them and prayed with them and loved on them. And it was like, what a powerful thing that was. What a powerful thing that was. And I remember thinking... They allowed their sufferings to be shared, seen, and there would have been some kind of strength in that, but obviously. But it just, it just came to mind about just that thing about, like, you know, allowing one another to experience, uh, to share in our sufferings together um, at the appropriate times in the appropriate ways. Um, I think it strengthens the church and it also brings healing um, to us, to communities.